Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's $5 to $10 a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling. Hey, this is Charlie. I figured I'd do this episode a little bit different than normal. Uh, one where I talk personally um, about you know, what I've learned from hosting the Community Composting Podcast and share a little bit about how my uh, company, O-Town Compost Journey, has been going since we started about two and a half years ago. Um, yeah, I think this is going to just be a monologue format, and uh, I hope you guys get to know me as the host a little bit better. So let's start by, you know, kind of in my head, summarizing all the past guests we've done about close to 30 episodes now. There's a lot of community composters uh, that I've interviewed from all over the country. And uh, as well as just, I like to have industry leaders on this podcast. So Brenda Platt with ILSR, Gary Bilbro from EcoSafe, uh, and, you know, whoever seems to be in the crosshairs of moving forward this organic waste diversion project that we're all part of. A lot of community composters vary in size. You know, you have the ones who've been at it for a decade plus. Uh, Bennett Compost, Bootstrap, um, you know, just to name a few. And then you have kind of the newer folks who are really killing it, like Mother Compost and Java Compost, many more. I'm just, those are the ones I have on the top of my head. And uh, then you have kind of newer ones that are just starting. They're, you know, they may have like a, a day job and the, the composting initiative is kind of uh, going alongside that, but their goal is to eventually shift all their effort to the community composting. And that's like Naples compost. Um, yeah, that's pretty, I can't think of many others right now, but all, you know, all are doing great things. If you're diverting organics from the landfill at any volume, it's, you know, making the world a better place. Um, but I feel like there are some, some lessons that we can take from those who have been doing it longer and, you know, may have, be more successful, more customers, and are diverting just more organics. So when you're starting as a community composter, it's, you know, a lot of us just buckshot. We try doing everything. We are yes men. We don't say no to a lot of the opportunities. 
I can remember dirt huggers, how they started not only composting, collect, you know, hauling, but also selling compostable serviceware. And they eventually got rid of the resale of compostable serviceware because that wasn't really part of their overall mission. So as a new composter, you need to define what your company is going to be about and uh, you know define your goals. My goal for O-Town Compost divert as much waste from the landfill as possible. And you know there's definitely flexibility to you know tweak your goals and if a, a really amazing opportunity comes along that you never thought of in your wildest dreams, um yeah, I mean go for it, but you got to know when to say no as well um o-town compost you know we're on that topic we're like getting into this new special recycling service which i've been dreaming about for a couple years and i thought it was my original idea because i haven't seen any other community composters do this so far but I came to realize that there is a couple companies out there in cities like Denver, Seattle, Portland, a company named Ridwell, uh, link in the show notes, but they're basically picking up special materials, special items like batteries, light bulbs, textiles, film, plastic, paint um, to recycle or properly dispose of them because those items should not be going to the landfill. And there's oftentimes outlets for these special recycling items, but they're not in your curbside composting bin. So people actually have to drive out of their way, which is a big inconvenience. And, you know, who, not everyone's going to do that, first of all. Um, second of all, the people who are going to do that are usually the the type to pay for a composting subscription. Uh, so I thought it was a natural fit to, you know, have our, our customers offer them this special service. And then it became a question about logistics. Do we have enough room in our vans? And... Uh, we are accepting small electronics, no bigger than the size of a DVD player or VCR player, but we, you know, we don't have space for TVs, monitors. Uh, we're limiting, you know, how much, how many cans of paint we're picking up to five and, uh, you know, overall trying to make sure it doesn't impede on our number one mission of, uh, picking up buckets of food waste. So, you know, th I think this is a really exciting way to, you know, stay in line with our mission, divert waste from the landfill, but also uh, not, you know, go too far where we're really taking away. And this is really only for residential customers. There's bigger companies out there that will um, arrange free pickups for like commercial customers if an office is you know getting rid of all their old monitors or electronics or the theme parks here in Orlando are you know trying to find an outlet to recycle all their linens and mattresses there are companies in town who will do that on a, a larger scale so you know we're not interested in that 
but um, you know that service is probably gonna roll out in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that with everyone because you know that might be something that you could do in your city as well. So just you know talking about some important lessons I've learned. You know we have been I would say successful successful by uh, you know many definitions of what successful is. O Town Compost has about 500 accounts since starting you know two two and a half years ago and uh, you know lar most of those accounts are residential uh, but we do have you know, definitely a couple dozen commercial accounts too. Uh, but, you know, from the very beginning, I was like, you know, we need to focus on the residential accounts because, you know, there's, I can't handle the, the sheer volume coming from some of these commercial customers. And I did, in order to start accepting uh, the scraps from restaurants and universities, I did have to form a partnership uh, with my business partner in who, you know, he had uh, a vehicle and a trailer. He had a composting yard. And, you know, at that time in in our past history, in the company's history, it was either I just say, no, we can't do this and, you know, start formulating a plan or you know, wait for the right opportunity to come around and say yes to it. But I think a safe strategy when you're first starting is to focus on getting the message out about why it's important to compost and, you know, really focus on growing the number of residential subscribers. And, you know, O-Town Compost has been very persistent in putting up door hangers in neighborhoods around town, uh, going tabling at events. I always, always accept, you know, opportunities to speak, whether it's like the public library or, you know, there's some classes at elementary, high school, universities that I've been uh, invited to speak in front of. Um, you know, sometimes it's just like garden clubs but, you know, try to really focus on the cultural shift and that's education. You know, education goes hand in hand with what we do as composters because people don't understand the importance of food waste recycling or soil health. They're not going to really be interested in um, paying money for a service that they don't see any benefit from so you know that's why you need a good value proposition as they put it in you know entrepreneurship uh accelerator programs you need a value proposition you need your elevator pitch down pat you know your 10 second just sales pitch if you uh ever do have to do it and i even teach my drivers uh, the elevator pitch because if people see them out on the street, they you know they they get asked quite frequently like what is O Town Compost about? What it what is in that bucket? And that goes to the second reason I believe that O Town Compost has been successful, and that's putting uh, 
the customers at number one. It's funny because I just saw a video of Jeff Bezos and he was talking about how Amazon services is like low price, you know, it's all about the customer and them and Microsoft even put like a empty chair in their board meetings uh, to represent the customer when, you know, the board members are making decisions. Um, but, you know, it's it's no joke that, you know, to have people paying their hard earned money uh, for your composting service, it, it really needs to be top tier and provide value for the price and need to be worth it for people in order to grow that customer list. And, you know, ways we do that is uh, if we, you know, do end up missing a pickup, we, you know, usually we'll go back to, you know, swap out the bucket unless it's like way far out of the way, then we'll just refund the customer. And if they're biweekly, uh, meaning every other week pickups, we'll put them on the alternate schedule. That means they only have to wait one week for their next pickup. Uh, we send out occasional surveys, maybe once a year to, you know, ask about these other services and, you know, on a scale one to 10, how do you rate O-Town Compost current service, which is really important. If anyone rate, you know, if the average rating is below a nine, that's kind of like marching orders. You need to understand how to rectify that and, you know, make sure that your customers are really satisfied. And, you know, we, we try to make it feel like a community through our social media and marketing. We are constantly sharing other customers experiences. You know, we're trying to get to know our customers. And uh, I, I know when I was the driver, when we first started, I probably knew like 90% of our first 100 customers uh, just because interacting with them and sometimes you will see people outside their house when you're swapping the bucket. But yeah, that that's important. And I know people recommend doing those surveys more frequently than once a year. But, you know, as long as you feel confident that your service is good, um, you know, I, I think once a year is just fine. One of the other things O-Town Compost has done successfully, I have to attribute, you know, kind of my previous time spent working as a waste consultant in the industry. I think that really helped uh, get over some of the initial hurdles that every community composter experiences. A lot of the people like Tim Bennett or uh, Gwen Nolan, who, you know, come from other industries, they figured it out along the way. But I, I think it really helped to have a little previous knowledge, at least be able to like talk the talk about the equipment uh, that's required and knowing like what regulations you're going to come up against. And one of the first things I did after uh, we started to gain some customer 
traction was reach out to the sustainability directors of the local municipalities, invite them to our composting site and try to forge that relationship. Um, but you know, that just knowing the industry has really helped. Um, you know, there's been not only O-Town Compost, a couple other community composters have started in Orlando uh, in the last year. And, um, you know, now, now those two other, I don't consider them competitors because we're both doing the same thing, diverting food scraps from the landfill, but the, the other composters have shut their doors and, you know, they're no longer doing it. And I think it has a lot to do with just, you know, not really defining those, those goals and maybe not necessarily uh, spending the, the time that you need to spend to really get to know the industry that you're part of. Because we may be, you know, you may be just a guy with a pickup truck or a lady with a pickup truck. But um, if you continue to grow, you're eventually going to come up against big waste haulers and, you know, the way the, the, the government's going to define you as a waste hauler. So you need to come up with that understanding. When we finally, it took us about a year and a half to get the big three things to be legitimate which I consider the big three things that any community composter needs to be legitimate is one, commercial auto insurance for your collection vehicle. Not cheap at all. We're paying over a thousand a month, which just seemed ridiculous when we first started. Um, but I was able to get by with my personal vehicles insurance, you know, for a while until I um, stopped using it and then, you know, I was hiring drivers who had their own vehicles, paying them mileage, gas mileage, 60 cents a mile. And that way we were able to kind of get around the whole like commercial auto insurance for a while. Um, and then the second thing that's really important is workers comp. You know, what if your driver gets in an accident and hurts themselves? What if you know, a whole multitude of things could happen and, you know, uh, not having workers comp is uh, not very comfortable. So I would uh, highly recommend people to, you know, if you're using a payroll service, they can help you find uh, a way to get workers comp. We use a staff leasing company who provides the workers comp insurance. Uh, kind of as part of the the payroll services that they do. And then the third one, well, I could say the third big thing is uh, for a while there, we were kind of going off of my business partner's uh, company and he owns like an Arbor company and he has workers comp, commercial auto insurance, and he had the local you know, Orange County haulers permit. And when I was finally able to get the haulers permit, workers comp and commercial auto insurance, that's where I felt certified. You know, I felt like now I can just focus on growing the business, you know, making revenue that, you know, can go to me and the employees. 
that's important to pay yourself. I mean, that should be number four on this list because it took me, God, like a year and a half, two years before I was even able to, or I guess I was able to pay myself before that, but I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like all the profits of the company should be recycled back into the company. Um, and even today, you know, I, I pay myself not a great salary by any stretch, but it's a whole lot better. It's about uh, $300 a week. So uh, yeah, financially, it can be rough for some people. Uh, I would highly, and I noticed a lot of the people I interviewed on this show, they come from, you know, other careers where they were able to like stash away some funds uh, to at least cushion them for those initial couple years when they were starting their community composting business. And that's what I did. I, for three years working for the waste consultant company, I put away 40% of my income, saved it, and I, I was able to buy a house during that time. So, uh, you know, fast forward to today where um, I'm, I'm finally able to like pay myself selling my house. I just sold it recently. Uh, that was able to make me a little extra profit. And that way I'm not, you know, just funneling money out of the business. The business is my, my baby and I really want to make sure that it has the resources and you know it's never been about myself it's been about making sure that composting is part of the culture here in central florida and o-town compost is now the only one out here recycling food waste so it's really i see it as like imperative that o-town compost is financially healthy as you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the aerated static pile micro bin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae, making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website www.o2compost.com. That's the letter O, the number 2, compost.com. If you mention that you heard about O2 Compost on this podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount on the purchase of the Microbin Compost Training Program. The next success, I believe, um, is coming up with a, you know, I, I mentioned my business partner, and I think partnerships and collaboration are important for everyone. And I noticed there's a lot of that uh, among the composters that I've interviewed, you know, you find your people, those others out there who care about food waste recycling. They they have some business acumen. They're you're you're a hauler and they're a processor, and you're two peas in a pod. 
So I really, um, I think a strategic partnership is the way to fast track your community composting outfit. And, you know, you, and then it just becomes a question of finding the right person. Because once you start, once your, your business name grows some recognition, people are going to come to you. You can count on that. Uh, but then you really need to kind of vet those potential partners. You know, I just had Joe McMillan, CEO of Atlas Organics on the podcast, and he's given up equity of his business, um, him and his co-founder, to, you know, equity investors. And, um, you know, that's what I'm that that gives me some pause because I feel like the equity of the business, especially if you want to see it grow, uh, the equity is kind of like the ownership of the business and that can fluctuate in value as the business grows. So giving up equity, you know, that's no joke. And the fact they Atlas Organics and Joe, they have like you know, uh, a vetting process in place to make sure that their investors are like long-term investors. They're not like the, you know, the conventional investors you see working with startup businesses in Silicon Valley. They're, you know, in it for the right reasons. They may come from other, um, you know, other types of businesses, um, in the composting industry, I think of compost now. I haven't had them on this podcast, although I really want to. They're very successful community composter who's operating in the Triangle area of North Carolina, Atlanta, and Charleston, South Carolina. They're killing it, but they have a. If you look on their website, they have a number of investors, and you know, they're in the industry. Like one of their investors comes from Rotaho, you know, the big manufacturer of that big piece of equipment that, you know, Winrow style composters use. But if you can, you know, find the right people to form a partnership with and communication is key. You, you need to communicate with them because they're like your unofficial, uh, you know, husband or wife, um, once you're in a business partnership, you're essentially married. So, um, you know, keep that marriage strong and communicate with them. And I'm, I'm one who would call my business partner every day. You know, there was kind of a asymmetry between the two of us because he was more of a private person. And I just feel like, you know, that is really hard for any uh, one in a a business partnership. Uh, So but regardless, um, communication is the best way to be successful in a strategic partnership. So that's, you know, uh, some things I thought were successful that we've done so far. But let's talk about lessons because those are even more important to understand, you know, where you could have done a better job. And, um, you know, I think that I think that I've already mentioned staying close to your local municipality is important. But I think one of the areas I could have 
done a better job is taking care of myself. Um, you know, I've been really all about O-Town Compost since I started it. Uh, checking the email, shamefully even refreshing the email, <laughs> looking for new subscribers who might come in. Coming home on a Friday after a long week and continuing to do work. It's really you need to be like sustainable uh, with how you treat yourself and getting that important rest and relaxation, just not looking at a computer screen or your phone. Um, you know, ironically, O-Town Compost is all about environmental conservation, but I haven't been hiking in like over a year. Um, I haven't been camping in over a year. I, I, I sh should start doing that because I need to remember why I'm doing this. You know, don't get me wrong, being diligent about, you know, customers really find value if you're like quick to respond to their email, but um, you need to set boundaries and we're about to implement a, like over the weekend when no one should be really working. O-Town, we operate like Monday through Friday but um, sometimes on the weekend, we do have a farmer's market or something. But I, I think going forward, I really want the business to just do Monday through Friday, normal business days, and everyone gets the weekend off, including myself. So we need like one of those automatic email responses if someone emails us on the weekend, like, hey, you know, we'll we only check emails once over the weekend and it's gonna be Sunday night because sometimes there are emails that are important to process uh, because you don't wanna like get there Monday morning and there's a, a subscriber on the Monday route that you have to like make that adjustment to the route or you know add a new item or something so Sunday night, we do check the emails once, and that's really to just make sure we're prepared going into Monday's route. You know, rest and relaxation, R&R time is super good. Paying yourself, I've already talked about that. I mean, maybe it's time I start paying myself more, but you know, I kind of weigh it against paying my employees, and right now, you know, we have a team of five and um, we have Erin, who's, you know, she's kind of like the marketing director or uh, she's basically like the person I fall back on if I need to take time off or she's the one who kind of dispatches, answers customer emails, gets the drivers ready. Uh, she can put together quote proposals she she's like she can do it all and that's exactly what I hired her to do um, because you know it all can't hinge on you so Erin's really important and I'm so happy that she joined us about a month ago my life has been made a whole lot easier uh, allowing me to focus on growing the business but then you have Christy who is my first employee hired as a driver She's an excellent driver um, and, you know, she's pretty young, has a background in like biology and science 
And I imagine one day she will be our compost site manager when our compost site is finished. Um, it's currently under construction here in, in the center of Orlando. Um, the other, so I recently, we have another driver named Evan. He has only been with us for a few weeks. Um, and then we have um, my main man, Dirty, uh, who is our warehouse guy. He washes buckets, preps buckets, takes care of any, you know, kind of handyman type stuff. But me and Dirty were friends even before we, uh, I, you know, started this business. And he's really helped me in a lot of ways with his handyman skills. Um, but he's a great guy. And you know, that's what I've kind of weighed against paying myself versus paying the the other humans who are part of this team. You know, I can at least afford to, you know, forego, uh, you know, a, a fat paycheck. Um, you know, that that's not what it's about for me. It's the human resources is like having a strong team is everything because, you know, the people are really the business like if the people are passionate are happy to work hard for the business's mission they need to be compensated for that so um i i really feel like that's kind of what's been keeping me from paying myself maybe what i deserve um but you know that's all right you know talk to me in a year maybe i'll be making a little bit more um, besides that, um, I just, you know, I think that I think, a, you know, <laughs> I dream about this business, probably just like everyone, other biz, uh, community composter who I've interviewed, you know, it's just like all engrossing. And if you're not ready to take on that kind of, you know, commitment, I, you know, just be prepared for every waking moment to to your life is going to be about this. So you got to kind of got to give up your ego and be a little selfless about, um, you know, y how you think about yourself, because y you're in a position where a lot more than you're responsible for other people and uh, not just your employees, but your customers. And, you know, you, you really got to take it seriously, but not over seriously where you're like neurotic and you're losing sleep out of it. It's really a fine balance. And it's pretty crazy to think of how amazing some of these people that I've interviewed you know, how they're able to grow such a big business, but remain cool as a cucumber and uh, stay true to their values. Like Rust Belt Riders is like, they're they're well known in the, in the community composting industry for just being like so true to their values. And, you know, they formed a cooperative. They really care about their employees. They care about not becoming the waste management of composting and we all strive to be a little bit like Rust Belt Riders. I think, you know, to just go back to 
you know, how this business, how community composting can weed out those one, those people who are not fully committed to the their mission is like you're going to hear no's way more than you're going to hear yeses. You're going to get a lot of people who just straight up don't understand why they should be paying for a service that takes their food waste. There's going to be people who are like thinking that, oh, you're taking my food waste uh, and you're making compost from it. Like that's your whole business model is just the processing and the compost and then you sell the compost. So people are going to offer you free their food waste for free and you have to like <laughs> explain to them like you can't pick up free food scraps because uh, that's just not <laughs> your business model and that's not what you do. And, you know, you got to you got to stay persistent because all those no's can, you know, if if you're a person who takes it personally, you're you're going to get beaten down by all those no's. And I feel like I've done a really good job just hounding people, you know, being polite, but just not ever letting up on, you know, certain commercial clients that maybe their first response like you know one commercial client an office client downtown i've been following up with them for about a, every month for about over a year and this commercial client um never gave me an answer you know you're gonna probably get ghosted way more than you're gonna hear the answer no and I mean, if you, I almost want to hear the answer no because it brings some closure. But of those commercial clients you're after who don't give you an answer, I mean, that's an invitation to keep following up with them. I have like an organization calendar and I schedule out all the, you know, reoccurring follow ups that I'm going to do. And, um, you know, I, I just keep doing it until I hear an answer one way or other if they want to go with our our convenient composting service and you know over the way things are moving into the future people are starting to understand why it's important to compost city governments are forcing it upon commercial customers with mandates and um, the culture is shifting ever so slowly so you know, chances are someone might say no now would say yes in a couple of years. Keep being persistent. That's so important. Don't take it personally when people say no. But, you know, I understand there might be some people that uh, they don't sound like maybe they're that interested. And you can't be spending all your time following up with people. So you do kind of got to select which follow-ups are going to be of greater benefit to you. And then lastly, I think it's important to stay organized. Come up with whatever uh, calendar method or just plan. Like I always plan out my weeks the Sunday night before. Uh, just spend, you know, five or ten minutes kind of looking at what I got going on the, the coming week. And I... Um, Make sure that if there's any clients I need to reach out to or want to follow up with any leads, I make sure that's in the calendar. 
uh, before the week starts because when the week starts it becomes a little hectic you're putting out fires just overall it's good to stay organized and you know i'm not like one of those ceos who has like uh someone who manages their calendar uh i'm jealous of you know some of those people who have assistants but that's probably never going to be the case for me because that that's just not how it works when you're a startup business so yeah i just wanted to share a little bit about o-town compost and some of the stuff I've learned, you know, if you are, you have more questions, I would encourage you to keep listening to this podcast um, because I want to dive into like all these things in depth. And unfortunately, I don't really have time to sit down or get on the phone with other fledgling community composters, but I'm just hoping that You know, these podcasts is kind of like my way of of giving back and making sure that, you know, kind of uniting the community composting movement. Hope everyone has a good week. Take care. Please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. If you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about compost, 